welcome to the Homegrown Sunshine Podcast, the place where we gather to discuss the arts, the practice, the highs and the lows of cultivating a wholesome and culturally diverse home education culture for you and your entire family. My name is Kainana Winarena and I am a proud homeschooler. It's my absolute pleasure to welcome and introduce you to our host, my amazing mum, Alberta Stevens. Hello, lovely ones. Welcome to episode eight of season one of the Homegrown Sunshine podcast with yours truly, your host, Alberta Stevens. This week, I'll be chatting with my dear friend, Molly Ashton from Mothering Through Every Season blog and Amended Teacup podcast about the rituals and practices of her wholesome, life-giving, Charlotte Mason-esque home education journey. But before I go on to tell you more about Molly, let's check in. Have you heard my news? Yes, I've heard some, had some wonderful news of my own this week. No, I don't mean the easing down of lockdown in the UK, even though that's definitely good news worth celebrating, irrespective of the rain and hailstones in some areas. But last week, after 11 years of raising an only child, I was blessed with a beautiful bundle of brown boy joy. Um... And it's been a week of joy, of wonder, celebration, peppered with that inexplicable exhaustion that comes from sleep deprivation. If you know, you know, so I'm just keeping it real. (laughs) Um, I am so grateful that I had the foresight to um, interview quite a lot of my uh, podcast guests before this wonderful uh, or mixed feelings time of my life. Um, So the podcast continues. Obviously, this part isn't pre-recorded. But coming back to today's episode, being pregnant and having a baby has had such a huge toll on the quality of my homeschool fees this year. Um, I've had to drop my standards in many, many areas. um, And if it weren't for the wisdom and the encouragement of um, mature home educators like Molly, who have gone through various iterations of home education with children at different stages, I would have been riddled with guilt at every stage of my pregnancy. So, dear friends, if you find yourself in the trenches of parenting, be it due to a new baby like me, or perhaps struggling with balancing the needs of children with large age gaps, or maybe you have children with learning or neurodiverse needs, or perhaps you've been, you've just started your adoption journey yourself, be assured that there will be something of comfort and wisdom in this episode. If none of these circumstances apply, then don't worry. Just a general flow and vibe of two girlfriends coming together to talk about home education in a very real um, and and idyllic um, situation will be encouraging and enriching enough for you. So go grab yourself a warm drink and make yourself comfortable as Molly and I discuss her home education journey her biggest aspirations, daily rituals, and favourite read-alouds. Before then, let's pause to hear Molly's eldest daughter read us The End by A.A. Milne. The End by A.A. Milne When I was one, I had just begun. When I was two, I was nearly new. When I was three, I was hardly me. When I was four, I was not much more. When I was five, I was just alive. But now I am six, I'm as clever as clever. So I think I'll be six now, forever and ever. For that beautifully read poem. Today, friends, as I've said, I am speaking to a, a dear friend who I've come to know in the past two and a half, three years, um, through Instagram, uh, met Molly Ashton. Um, Molly and I converged, I would say, on on our Instagram post. And it so turned out that um, we uh, um, actually got to 
start on Instagram around about the same time and we ended up finding each other um, and she mothering in all seasons and me as homegrown sunshine and we instantly connected and started liking each other's post and 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 this woman just turned to be one of my most incredible encouragers and we've become um, good friends <laughs> since. Molly is a Christian mum of four two by birth and two by adoption. She is a writer, recently released a book called Kite's Tale, an Adoption Story. She's a blogger, a podcaster, uh, one of two at Mended Teacups, um, and does so much else uh, within um, the home ed context, as I said, in in that she, and I, I, I noticed that she isn't just one who encourages me, but I see her with other people as well. And, and it's so real. It makes the this what could otherwise seem a sort of virtual, distant um, space become, just come alive. And I'm so grateful to have the pleasure of her wisdom on this platform today. So thank you so much, Molly, for saying yes to coming into the Homegrown Sunshine podcast. Oh, well, Alberta, what this most gorgeous introduction. And um, and it's just a real, real honour to be here. And um, and I just absolutely love your posts. And it's interesting, I um, what you say about Instagram, I, I really don't do Facebook at all, but particularly but um I really enjoy Instagram and mm. I've just so appreciated getting to know you um, it's, it's become a real place of friendship I think and um and I love your post right you know even in the early days before you started up um the homegrown sunshine as a, as a business I just love the, the sort of the enthusiasm and on your days out and I, and I guess because you know you're in London and we're kind of in the countryside uh, I loved the sort of your post about going to um going to visit different places right museums and it was sort of a slightly different world to mine and it's just it was just brilliant I just love I love your post so thank you (laughs) yes I do try to intersperse my (laughs) my businessy posts with with those thank you so much Molly and same here I, I think I've drawn a lot of inspiration from those beautiful posts of poetry tea time and read alouds and going on trips with with your girls um and for me, both yourself and, and other people like Leah Bowden, you, you've just, you, you gave me a vision of the things that I was reading about. Um, you know, w- what it really does look like. I think those of us in the city tend to forge it a bit. <laughs> Whereas you're, you're living the good life in the rural countryside. <laughs> so it's always lovely to see those beautiful photos of a, a well, you know, served table and, and all of that. So thank you. Thank you so much. Please keep sharing. And, um, and also your podcast with, with Helen has always been such a treat. Um, having both of you haven't been home ed mums for for quite a while it's always enjoyable to see you talk about practical things I think one of the first things that um, first episodes that I I listened to was talking about keeping the house organized or something like that and it was so close to my heart (laughs) it's just one of those things that you think no one would be interested this is so boring it's only me who's struggling and um and there you both were talking about how how difficult it can be with children and making sure that you keep structure and organization and I I listened to it you know intensely because it it was so real to me so thank you Wonderful. So today we are going to be talking about various things rather than one. But um, I mean, it, 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 the context still remains talking about home ed rituals and, and, um, and practices within your specific context, i.e. being the countryside, being a, a mum of four um, with adopted younger adoptive children and older boys who you've also home educated. Um, so there are loads of things that we can draw from here, and I know that you you have rituals in a daily, in a in a seasonal and annual context. And I'd like us to talk about all of those things. Really, we don't we don't have to fit into to any one. But the most one where I like to start with all my my guests is to talk about your journey. And I know yours will be two parts, of course, but tell tell us about why you started home education um, or, or home educating your boys. What made you decide that this was a path that you were going to take? Um, 
Thank you. Um, I love that question because I'm always completely fascinated by everybody's story. Mm. Um, I get tired of listening to other other family stories of how they came into home ed. So um, <laughs> for hours, um, I, 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 it was actually on the radar um, from before I had children, before I was even married, actually. The, um, right. I used to go to a church in Bristol, we lived in Bristol, and the pastor and his wife had lived in New Zealand uh-huh. for two years and they'd homeschooled, they called it homeschooling, out right. there. Um, and I was just, and a part of me, and then they carried on while they were in Bristol and a part of me was just like a bit, but they're really good schools down the road. Right, <laughs> right. couldn't quite get it, but I did actually live with them for a while as well. Um, and I did, I just observed their family and I observed how confident they were and, and I observed the complete... Um, kind of naturalness, just a flowing and the rhythm of um, particularly they had sort of three boys and then a younger girl mm. and, and just sort of the mother and daughter relationship and just how natural it all was mm. and how just came into every part of their life and and so it was sort of logged there and I thought, oh, I, I like this. There's something about this I like. Mm. Um, and then we moved out of Bristol in the countryside and, um, and one of the reasons we moved here, ironically, was because schools are good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very well then, anyway, and um, and um, so our youngest, uh, sorry, our oldest, uh, is a June birthday. So he did go to school. We decided, you know, we didn't really think about it. Actually, we just thought, well, you know, he did, he didn't go to preschool because I didn't want him to do that. I wanted to keep him, you know, playing as long as possible. But kind of school just sort of seemed the normal thing to do. So right. so so, but he was a June birthday, so I knew he didn't have to go at all until mm-hmm. he was five. Thought, well, maybe we'll we'll put him in kind of part time. So I think he did about two and a half days a mm-hmm. week, uh, five days, um, for that whole for well for two terms really. And um, and during that time, I noticed that he'd come home from school and he'd been quite chilled before. And he came home, he was just a bit more on edge and a, mm. not wanting to bother. And I kind of thought, well, you know, what's the point of having a little brother if you don't want to play with him? Mm. Most before and and things like he was very tired and people would say oh they'll, they'll get used to it mm. but I thought but actually why he's only four why does he have to get used to being right tired? right at four so, yeah um, so um so we decided we decided we did ask if we could flexi school um but the um the school governor said no which actually in retrospect in fact was really God's graciousness to us with mm-hmm. with with the journey that we've been on subsequently um and the the difficulties you know that others of our kids have had um you know I'm just incredibly grateful God God knew um, but all that that was hard at the time, but um, but actually God knew, so he was that was great. So actually, we started sort of from the summer term of his first year at school. Um, we started home educating, um, right. and and we haven't really looked back since. We've kind of always thought with oh well, he'll probably go in maybe have a middle school system here, so maybe right. we'll go in school. But but actually. Um, they, they both he and his brother um, both went to college, so we've got college in the sort of the town, our nearest town. Brilliant. Um, they, GCSE age. So um, yeah, so that that was how how we started. Fantastic. It's so good to have a mum who is on the other end of the, the spectrum. Now you have college students and they, they are going into sciences, I believe, right? Or something like that. Yeah, no, it's amazing. I, and I think that's another thing to say, but actually, you know, don't ever think your children will be limited to what you're good at. Because yeah. Our two, one is um, 19 and one's just turned 18. Um, right. And the oldest one is um, doing uh, uh, engineering at um, University of Bristol, um, although actually, obviously, he's at home at the moment. Yeah. Um, but my, my worst subject at school was my two worst subjects I was absolutely rubbish at were maths and sport. And uh, <laughs> you and I both. <laughs> the oldest, I was always the last to be picked for the team, you know. It's like, oh, you know, <laughs> do I have to have her? And um, she can't catch a ball. And, uh, and so my oldest one is doing engineering, and um, the second one is doing uh, plays rugby and is doing a sports and exercise science BTEC and is looking looking to to do something in the sporting world wow. so just, i just think well that's bizarre isn't it it's wow. not bizarre but it's it it shows that we're 
we facilitate them in their education. We absolutely do. We absolutely do. Wow, what a testimony. Because, I mean, yeah, I, I think this this really speaks to the questions we get often, like, well, but you're not a qualified teacher, how could you? And here you are, having turned out two boys who are very skilled at subjects that aren't really your your strong points, but here they are, that's what they're studying. That's amazing, Molly. Thank you so much for sharing. And just as they probably were entering school, you started the process again with your two girls, didn't you? So, um <laughs> you you kind of did another iteration of two just at, at that point and ha, ha, what did that look like for you yes I mean that it is and um, one way I kind of I was joking say well you know all the mistakes I made first time around I can just make a whole load more the second time around. <laughs> <laughs> um, a whole lot of different mistakes um but also I can I can change things and yes. I can do, things as well. do it better um, yes yeah there's kind of five years between sort of the two middle ones yeah so two years five years and three years kind of thing uh-huh. something like that 10 years in between the oldest and youngest and um so so and again I think it was I think again God was so gracious leading us into home ed because the adoption process was actually very very difficult I, I think it's a little bit easier now but it really was very difficult and um, and I think the fact that we could go through it with our boys, you know, we could sit and pray about it. Right. You know, we did, you know, obviously we had to keep some stuff from them, but, mm-hmm. you know, we were very open all the way along. And so, mm. and so we, we did life together. And so therefore, when our oldest daughter came to live with us, mm. um, sort of just under two, and um, it, it, it just it just was very naturally part of our learning. She right. always worked packed away to school mm. um so to just have individual time with her you know she just she came in and we were just all in it together kind of thing right um so so I I think for both the girls and then our second daughter came a few years after that so and she was um you know she was three so um I, th- I think I think for both of them they they did a lot of playing in their mm-hmm. early years mm-hmm. which I think Really, I think for any child, I think particularly for one of them, she had missed out a huge amount on playing mm. um, or catching up. So she just played, played, played. And I think that's that's wonderful that, you know, as, as us as sort of home, home anyone right. to have that understanding. You've that got the space, yeah. And they learn such a lot through free play. Mm. Um, so, so that was tricky. There was one time, and it was it was tricky with, I sort of had a 13-year-old who was just starting GCSEs and mm-hmm. a and an 11-year-old who's very dyslexic, so was doing completely different things. Right, <laughs> then, right. She was eight and three or whatever the other one. But that they were all doing different things, and that, that was quite tricky. But, um, but yeah, but I think that's family, isn't it? And family can be messy sometimes, right. and often. Yes. And we just learn through it, don't we? So. Yeah, and hopefully you gave yourself a lot of grace and, and, and space to manoeuvre all of those hurdles because I can't imagine you know between a 13 year old and a and a two-year-old <laughs> and and the different needs but you did it it's amazing God is, God is very gracious. Yeah, <laughs> wonderful. And um, I know we're going to come back to um, your latest book, um, a Kite, Kite's Tale, um, but, but I want to assume that some of this comes through in, in that book as well. Is, is that the case? Which I haven't read it yet. Mm, yeah, very much. No, it's very much the story of our, of our, um, our journey, mm-hmm. definitely. Yes. Fantastic. Well, look forward to you sharing more about that shortly. So in in the space of all of this, um, our dear friend who is always present at this table, Miss Charlotte Mason, <laughs> um, comes to I know that you lean into into her philosophy somewhat. Um, and and also we both share a, a mutual appreciation for Sally Clarkson, uh, whose book um <laughs> I, I, I seem to be collecting every every year. She's she's just a an amazing woman, formidable on so many levels. Um, she's one of your biggest inspirations as well. But tell me how between Charlotte, Sally, and your faith, how you've put together a, a, a home education philosophy and what that looks like. How would you define or explain what your learning style and um, home education philosophy is like at home? 
Thank you. That's another such lovely question. And again, it's one I love hearing from other people. I think that I think I have to confess that right at the very beginning of our home ed, um, I really I read a book about John Holt. Mm-hmm. Sorry, one a book from John Holt. Yeah. One two of his books. Um, and sort of a couple other books I kind of picked up in charity shops. So John Holt is the unschooling sort of guru, isn't he? That's right. Yeah. Yes, that's and um um but I hadn't, but I just hadn't really read anything at all from a from a faith perspective, Christian mm-hmm. perspective at all. So, um, so really, for the first few years, and I didn't know very many other people who who home educated at that time either. Mm. Um, and so, very much it, it came from within my heart. Now, and mm. I think oh wow, I wasn't on social media. So in some ways, think, gosh, that's actually crazy. She just, you know. <laughs> no, it's admirable. It's amazing. Along with it, but I think I think I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one who's kind of can be a bit insecure and can look at pictures and think, oh my gosh, I'm not doing that. So mm. I think I probably it wasn't wasn't bad that maybe I wasn't trying to compare myself to lots of people. Yeah. My, um, but um, but actually, it, it allowed. It did allow me to develop just our own our own kind of our own style and and I think very much based on on home on family just wanting to be you know having enjoying being together mm. outdoors outdoors has always been a, a big part you know with two very active little boys right um, and girl you know we spent a lot of time outside mm. um a lot of time reading as well um, Beautiful. just because I love reading I've always loved reading and yeah my, my, one of my aunties, I remember once saying to me, never stop reading to your children, even when they can start reading to themselves. No. Um, read loud revival. Sam Mackenzie says this. Yeah, she my does. Auntie. Yes. My, my auntie used to say that. <laughs> so does Sally Clarkson, actually. Yeah. And, and Sarah. Yeah. All these wise women. Because you always read a level above, aren't you? So, yes. um, so and I, I remember her saying that to me. So I thought, well, that's okay. And if she says that, then I'll, I'll just keep reading to them. Mm. And, and then actually, we, we, we've always had quite a science base as well, just mm-hmm. because both boys are interested in science. So, um, which kind of fits in with nature study. Yes. Um, so, so, so yes. Yeah, so, um, so that was sort of how we developed. And then, and then I, I remember I discovered Sally Clarkson, I think just on YouTube. I, I do remember actually, I was having a bit of a wobbly thinking, oh gosh, this is just, this is really hard work. Mm. Um, um, and I just, I don't know how, I just found a, a talk on YouTube and I just cried and cried. And I thought, gosh, this is it. This is, this is somebody else. She's, this is exactly, she's verbalising yeah. what is a part. She's verbalising what I've been trying to do all these yeah. years. So I always kind of feel, always like sort of think that my main sort of philosophy mm-hmm. is probably very similar to Sally Clarkson's. Yes, yes. Home and learning and whole learning. And then I then subsequently then um started reading charlotte mason yeah and um, i just loved the idea of, of living books and and the respect for, for children beings in themselves yeah and whole the people quiet, yeah quiet learning time i just love that the quiet growing time when they're little um reading yeah so i i think that's such a rich education so in a sense that 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 that's added an extra an extra bit which i probably didn't have when i was in it when when with the boys, particularly sort of with poetry and art mm. and stuff, a little bit with the boys, but we were quite science based, and so so the sort of Charlotte Mason has sort of come in a little bit more sort of with um, with the girls really. Beautiful, beautiful. Isn't that what's so amazing about reading? That um, I was saying this to a friend the other day that you know it, it probably shows more when you get to university and you become more exposed to people who've lived maybe thousands of years ahead of you but yet they're saying something that so that resonates with your heart and you sort of feel like oh my goodness this is exactly how I feel these are the exact thoughts I'm having um but these people are so distant from you either geographically or historically over spans of time and I'm just thinking about that in relation to what you said about Sally because as you explain your own 
um, journey, it sounds very similar with her style because she doesn't use a particular curriculum or philosophy. She's just led by, you know, her ministry and her heart to raise her children in the way of the Lord and uses a lot of read alouds. I think that's the most important thing that I hear and hospitality and service and kindness and this whole um, life spreading this life-giving table um, you, you you could be Sally Clarkson from what you've explained you know the way the way you did it just just being led by by your so so tell me um, Molly in light of of all of this so you've got this mix you know uh, if you like, a, a sort of a legacy of having done homeschooling with the boys in a particular way. And then now you have a fusion of a, a bit more Charlotte Mason, arty, music study, daily or seasonal basis. What does homeschooling look like? And what are the rituals that you do that that make the rhythm of, of your homeschool day? Okay. Um, um, it's in some ways, they are sort of, similar to how you know how we sort of our daily our daily rhythms mm-hmm. as I have with the boys but I I, I have we've, we've changed them over the years with different groups of kids kind of thing mm-hmm. um and what different children need so I am quite I am somebody that I like having I used to be a nurse actually a children's nurse oh, and right. I, okay. I, yeah and I like having a rhythm, <laughs> I like having a rhythm. <laughs> yes it's like, so important I think it's good for children too yeah. I think so. You kind of know where you are. It's yeah. like having a hat and your coat on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, so our, our morning time, you know, obviously you have kind of like morning chores in the morning and then mm-hmm. we always uh, start off with, um, actually, we always used to start off with the boys. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. When the boy and my oldest daughter were little, um, uh, we would we would start off with reading the Bible together and then mm-hmm. we'd do our sofa. Time. So that would be our read alouds or, um, um, you know, anything else that will sort of just be sitting on the sofa together, mm-hmm. things like that time. Um, and then we'd, we'd maybe go out for a walk and then we'd, we'd fit in some sort of some, some table time, you know, mm-hmm. like maybe what, what we've been doing or projects. Or, yeah, some or desk work, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it would be sofa time. But now, and actually I, I realised once once both the boys had um, had sort of gone off to college and I, I did a year of trying to sort of carry on the same, but it just wasn't working. Mm. And then I, actually, with different personalities, and um, and particularly one of our daughters does have quite a, a complex um, kaleidoscope of, 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 of additional needs. Right. Behavioural and educational needs. But actually, um, it needs to be different. And so mm. we actually start off with doing a um uh, some exercise we we do a a, a, a workout which is i've been doing with pe with joe actually we just put it even right it's pe with joe wicks fantastic yeah. we did that last year yeah. <laughs> so much fun and he actually just got to recording now he's not doing it anymore i used to take the girls out and we used to go out but i am doing an amazing sensory processing course at the moment okay um, um, which uh, uh, was yeah, which is a fantastic, and that's helping me to understand her needs mm-hmm. a bit more. Mm-hmm. So actually, start off with a lot of you know banging and crashing and loud music, and you know really fill up their <laughs> wow, <laughs> fill up their tanks. And um, so we do that first, and then we sit and we have our Bible time, um, and then we do the table time um, when they're sort of most sort of most alert and hopefully most able to concentrate. Um, so and that's a bit that you know the maths and the English, which is sort of in the sense the hardest bit. And yeah. then we have a snack time. You always have a snack time. In the yes, morning. your elevenses. And then we um, and then we sit on the sofa, and that's the lovely time. And that's that's when we have our read alouds um, and wow. and nature study. You know, if we're looking reading, and that's our that's the bit that I love. And history, geography kind of science and we just do it all from sitting at the table sitting on the sofa beautiful yeah Molly isn't that amazing that you were able to really 
notice the difference in your children i think this is at the heart of what you know charlotte mason talks about um recognizing that children are born persons and knowing that they have different needs so rather than doing a one-size-fit-all which we get in schools you you've been able to stop and say okay well look the the quiet mornings isn't working for my daughters they need to sort of get up and go and make some noise and exercise um before we can do the sit down um and and how did that work for you personally are you a a wake up bright eyed bushy tail sort of person or are you a slow burner <laughs> until lunchtime because it, it's also important that you know your needs are also being met because i think sometimes a lot of us adults also have sensory needs but we just don't know because we've been forced to kind of cope with them and just get on with it um so how does that dancing and and, and making noise in the morning work for you yeah, that's a, really, that's, that's a very insightful. Actually, do you know, it's it's been good for me, in fact. Okay. Um, I do tend to, to get up, but I'm, I always think I'm not good in the mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, because and I say, I, my, my, my routine is I get up, uh, you know, before the kids do. Um, fortunately, they don't need them. None of them get up early, early, early. Mm-hmm. And uh, I go down and I have my Bible and put my nice mini candle on and... and and read and read my Bible and pray and, and I have to have that time by myself in the morning. I just I just have to. Right. <laughs> so um um yeah so I I do that. So I've always so it's quite easy then to sort of just carry on being quite chilled all the way through. Right. So I, and you've I, got a host of animals in the back as well, don't you? Yes, that you have to let right. out. <laughs> that's right, yeah we go and open the chickens out and, <laughs> <laughs> um, but actually crashing and bashing in the morning um actually helps me yeah all right yeah so but interestingly after lunch though i i've always after lunch um i i we have a what we call a quiet time Mm. and we go um they go into their own rooms or they you know be sharing room one of them goes into another room and you know they sort of have basically and it's kind of reading time or lego time or playing the sylvanians or listening Mm. but that's a really quiet time for me that's my time sort of breathing time in the middle of the day um when I have tea and um yeah and I again I kind of like pray or read or um do other bits and pieces I need to so that's quite important for me that quiet space after lunch beautiful and you are one of the first persons that I I heard talk about quiet time in the afternoon and and it clicked with me I think it was at the chess the the Christian home editors um conference last year when I heard you speak talking about your quiet time after lunch I thought oh my goodness what an amazing idea (laughs) Um, and and when it's intentional and planned in and the kids know it's coming you can actually plan for it and think of activities that they could do um, which is not something that I've instilled in my house and I'm still trying to work at it Uh, I I think it's because I tend to um co-work with my son so once we've done similar things to you we we've done our quiet things in the morning and then we have a break at about 11 we come back um anytime I set him work to do I do my own work so I sort of feel like my cup's full um and in between I I do the oh I really need to concentrate (laughs) which is really bad I probably should set time aside where he you know where where we're having quite time so I really love that idea of um you know intentional quiet time independent being by yourself um which which is something that you do i think it's it's beautiful and it's good for children to see that mummy needs time for herself as well mm, i think it is and i think it's actually something um just that in fact we had the massive massive um honor of having sally clarkson come and stay with us for a few days oh wow that's amazing <laughs> I, honestly, I could not believe it. Well, I knew she was coming over to the um, uh, the UK because I follow all her, you know, blogs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And 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 I I emailed Helen and I said, got well, a really crazy idea. If Sally Clarkson would come and speak to some because um, um, the some of us home ed group in Bristol, mm-hmm. um, what do you think? No, you know, we, you know should, should we should we go for it? Do you think we could organise it? And she just emailed back and said, love crazy ideas, go for it. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so um so I did and it was it you know again God is so gracious because it was at a, a really really difficult time in our lives as a family it was a quite a crossroads time for us mm. you know it, 
quite a lot of painful stuff that happened sort of up to there and it was really quite difficult and and um and so suddenly this massive I had a I, I emailed her um and I had an email back just saying coming exclamation exclamation and saying wow. this sounds fun <laughs> <laughs> wow amazing so she came so um so yeah so so um the girls and I picked her up um she'd been staying with her daughter Sarah um I think they've been staying in Bath and we live quite near there she picked mm-hmm. her up um, from and um she came and stayed for a few days and she um talked at the conference which was absolutely wonderful and um and we went and took on a bit of an outing round where we know we've got quite a lot of ruins mm. near to us right. <laughs> so um yeah, so it, was, so it was wonderful. And she said to me, she said to me, you're in for the long haul, you know, with a 10-year gap and, you know, and I'm not the youngest of mums anyway. And <laughs> she said, um, you, you know, you really, really need to look after yourself. It's a marathon, it's not a sprint you need. And I think it was her saying that to me. And I thought, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll take that on board. So, yeah. So I'll Beautiful. pass it on to you. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that with 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 us. Um, I think I'm certainly going to be one of those people right behind you for the long haul. Um, so it's 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 good advice, and it's something that I've been speaking about or started this podcast talking about about cultivating our inner lives as as parents. I think you know when we are happy and at peace with ourselves, we offer that as a as a feast for our children. So thank you for modelling that so beautifully for us, Mary, with your quiet time in the middle of the day. Go find something to do. <laughs> and uh, mummy's going to have some time to herself. <laughs> your cups have been full. Sounds perfectly reasonable to me. So what are your afternoons like? Because I know the outdoor uh, world is also critical as part of your daily rhythm. And you've got a lot of nice places to see. I, I, I think I once read that you're an Elizabeth Googe fan and there are places that you, you go in search of. I don't know if I've made that up, but I think so. Um, and, you know, you see, I've seen that you do a lot of... Um, go and see a lot of um, historical sites and also open spaces. So tell us a little bit about how, how that works. Yeah, that's so you're absolutely right. I love, um, I discovered, actually, again, it was Sally Googe. I felt, oh, um, we were in Wells, which mm-hmm. is where Elizabeth Googe actually um, lived for a while. Mm-hmm. And actually, Sally said, oh, have you heard of Elizabeth Googe? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I did feel a bit stupid, but, you know. <laughs> This this lady, this wonderful author who had actually lived in, you know, one of the places where I go and do my shopping. Right. And, uh, and and I had never even heard of her. So anyway, I started meeting her. So yes, um, and she lived in Wells. So um, um I we love my mum lives there, so mm-hmm. um, we quite often go and I do my shopping there. Oh uh, this one oh, amazing, yes. Um but we've always again as part of the part, I guess part of our, our weekly rhythm is um we've I've always right from the beginning um with the boys sort of the sense um done structured learning mm-hmm. on of four days a week and then have one day a week where we have an outing so it's an out outing day mm-hmm. or we call it our girls fund a girls fun day mm-hmm. um so we just go and do something which i think which is great education i think because mm-hmm. because they can learn all sorts of things just simply by doing our second son who's really quite dyslexic um, and so outings for him were just fabulous because he could move and move and move the whole time. And Beautiful. And questions. I noticed that as we went out, he was always the one who would engage with people. Mm. Whenever we, he would be asking questions. And um, um, and I think, so So we've always, I think that's one way to learn. And I think it's yes. also, you know, so much of education, I uh, or I think it's about relationships and, mm. and about, it's about, you know, building up building our relationships with our with our kids and I guess particularly with adopted kids you know I think it's really important to to have that time when there's just is no no pressure and, and mm-hmm. I think also with kids if you have kids with additional sort of needs as well mm-hmm. I'm so often in the day it can actually it, it can actually be hard work just simply getting the morning chores done you know yes to get dressed get a you know enable the child to get dressed without a major meltdown mm. and then to clean teeth and mm-hmm. then to do hair, you know, with, with the majority of children, that's probably a fairly straightforward thing. But I know there'll be other parents out there who will really know what I'm saying when I say, actually, I can feel exhausted by the time you've just done Oh, this. no, I can definitely. Yes, definitely. And so I think, I think, um, I think, 
just life generally it can actually um it could be it it can be quite a hard it can be hard work and then trying to put sort of the edu- put your education as well and so mm. I think having one day a week is really really has for us has been really crucial in just saying well actually this is just a fun day where I'm not gonna we're not gonna try and do any sort of formal formal mm. that be about us enjoying ourselves and and you know building relationships and and going and seeing new things or old things that, that we would just really like because we mm. go there often so um so so that's also been definitely a a, a lifesaver as well sort of having that one day yeah and often the things that you do do on those days are linked to perhaps the things you've been learning so that I'm assuming is that the case or do you just leave it as you know whatever happens happens we're just going to go and have fun no we a bit, a bit of both certainly but I mean, obviously this year it's been all been rather restrained haven't we but mm. certainly in the past definitely absolutely definitely um we do um uh history we sort of, we've sort of made it up and we've gone long but we've I think we're on our second or even third time through through um through history mm-hmm. sort of um um, and so whichever kind of period we're on, we'll go and visit as many places from that, mm. that time that, that we can. Obviously, you know, in the UK, we have we just have an awful lot of we do. places we can go and visit, don't we? Yes. So, um, so yes, and we definitely, and if we're doing kind of some geography, we're quite near the Mendip Hills, so there's all sorts of um, geography things. If we're doing the seaside, we can go down to the sea. So they, yeah, we absolutely fit in. So, so, so some days are just simply just for fun. Right. Um, just a nice thing to do but yes but certainly also we, we do tie it in do uh, do do outings um sort of structured outings um um linked in with with um with what we're learning wonderful and how easy was it for the boys and the girls to work together given that you know they have different needs and also the age uh, gap means that they have, again, educationally different, different needs, different stimulation. Um, how easy is it to bundle all four of them and get out and about and find things that will fascinate all of them equally? Um, yeah, that, that's really, that's a really good question. Again, <laughs> good question. Um, I think it's dependent, and I think I think it's dependent a lot. I think that the things that I found that we can kind of all do, and obviously now, you know, they are, you know, the oldest one's 19. So I guess if I'm going back to kind of when they were from sort of 16, when he sort of went off to college, so mm. 16 down to 6. So anything from, um, I guess I'm speaking about those times, anything mm. from 16 downwards kind of thing. Um, and certainly sort of the, the structured learning, mm. they did differently. Um but the things that we did do together were reading aloud. Mm. Um, we've always done reading aloud um, during the daytime, um, and and then again um, uh, at night time. And I actually carried Lovely. on reading aloud with the boys because the second one's dyslexic. Almost, mm-hmm. I think, even into the first year of when my oldest son was at college. And actually, it was a really nice thing to do in the end of the day it was only just you know just even just for five ten minutes so um but yeah so going back to reading to what we do together so so reading aloud is always good because you can kind of read aim, aim at sort of at the older kids right um, but the younger ones they they take stuff in they do they pick it up yeah play, they play or scribble or draw or play-doh or, or whatever mm-hmm. um i i bring i incorporate food quite a lot especially as they got older mm. um food's a great kind of partly bribery but this part it makes more <laughs> oh yeah why not I certainly use food for <laughs> to, to entice <laughs> yes <laughs> but it kind of makes it all into a nice nice experience I think yeah um, yeah so and they, and they do they they often think back and they sometimes say oh, I associate such such a book with such such food mm. because that's what we use so um so I think reading aloud is something you can do with with just any age and also audibles as well yeah so if we were all all in the car together we'd listen to audibles or over meal times as well we'd we'd kind of listen to audibles right. um and then and then the other thing obviously is then is then going up because actually you, we, we can all go out and we can we can you know go on a walk we could go and walk together or go or go and, and visit a place i used to we used to um sign up to to one thing per year so um so like um Slimbridge was a famous a, a favorite one it was a, a wild wild fowl and wetlands trust sort of place right right okay and we kind of signed up for a year or there's loads so many free places you can go to yeah you know, so 
<laughs> oh, how sensible. <laughs> Wonderful. This is probably a good time to pause and listen to your um, youngest daughter read us a short poem. The Song of the Lady Smock Fairy by Cicely Mary Barker. Where the grass is damp and green, where the shallow streams are flung, where the cowslip puds are growing, I am seen. Dainty as a fairy's rock, white or wave of elfin sun, in the meadow mingling, the Lady Smock. Thank you so much. Um, so I can see that reading is a strong part of your family's rhythm and culture. And, you know, the, the list of books will probably be endless. But um, you've mentioned Audible, you've mentioned, you know, finding a, a good balance between books for the boys who are much older and also books for the girls and poetry being an essential part of that. Um could you tell me what books, apart from the Bible, <laughs> which you mentioned also, are your essentials that you feel this is a strong, you know, key part of, you know, the, the Ashton family's life, that every child has to read this book or two, you know, if there are any of such books? Oh, let me think. Um, well, the, the obvious, the ones that completely come to mind are um, the C.S. Lewis. I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of these are what everybody has, the C.S. Lewis. <laughs> Love it. The, the Narnia Chronicles, yeah. Mm-hmm. Narnia Chronicles, yes, we, we've all loved those. Um, I think quite a lot of the classics, actually. Um, mm-hmm. um, I remember reading Black, you know, sort of Black Beauty. Anna Cyril, yeah. Yeah, um, um for the boys kind of Huckleberry Finn sort of lots of the girls little women I just they're lovely I think quite a few have been different actually I'm trying yeah. to think now. I need to go and have a look at our bookcase <laughs> um I think Little House on the Prairie perhaps have you yes I, yeah yes I'm yeah the Ingalls at the moment okay um, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Enright um she she's a and again an older author but I've um I've read lots of those right things like Days and the Phoenix and the Carpet. They're, yes, some of them yes. are sort of in quite old in quite old English. Um, so I'm not sure. Are they sort of ones that I was brought up? So I sort of kind of felt I probably should read them. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the boys have enjoyed more recent. Oh, Biggles. The boys love Biggles. Okay. Um, kind of more recently, things like um, uh, the boys, things like um, the the, the Bond, the Young Bond series, and. All those sort of other, there'd be another type of adventure type ones. I'm not sure if the girls would be quite so into them. Yeah. Um, and then lots and lots of picture books. And I actually carry, I continue reading picture books, actually, even, t- you know, till they're quite old. Because you can kind of read a whole story, can't you? And they're a, they're a good way of, of um, sort of passing on information. Yes. And, and in one Visually way. as well. Yes. Yes. My Beautiful. sister, I don't know if... Um, Yes, my son, my son's read them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And it's funny you were talking about, um, Phoenix and a Carpet, Five Children and It. Uh, I remember those are the first few books we read at the start of our own homeschooling. And at one point, um, my, my son started speaking. We were listening to the book and reading the book. So it's because I really wanted us both to be immersed in it. And, and he started, talking in the same language as the kids and he caught himself he was like why am I speaking like this (laughs) this is really weird (laughs) but it's just funny how we just absorb the language we hear around us isn't it you know and books are so good at at doing that yeah Yeah. and any Tolkien in there for the boys oh yeah oh absolutely Tolkien yeah especially my second son I mean we've sort of read all them but my second son has read all other ones like Silmarillion and, oh even the Silmarillion and, uh, wow yeah he's listened to those yeah um, yeah and then sort of younger kids and um, Winnie the Pooh and Paddington Bear oh I love um, those yeah. I still love them we still watch the yeah. movies even now 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's so lovely to hear your daughter reading um, A.A. Milne's earlier. Um, yeah, we, we read those. Just They're so heartwarming, and I think they help to keep children's innocence, don't they? Um, yes. So, yeah. yeah. Before YouTube creeps in. I know. Well, I think it's already done that, but every so often we can interject. Yes. <laughs> yes, yeah. fantastic. What about, you know, um, ancient history, anything of the Greeks or Romans or anything like that? Are you a Plutarch fan? We've just started reading um, the heroes of, of Plutarch Um it's hard going. <laughs> it's it's brilliant, but it's intense. Um, so we, we've got to stick at it. You know, we read a couple of pages and then we stop and discuss it. Have you ever tried? No, I'm impressed. <laughs> no, please don't be. <laughs> We've only just started and we're still talking about Theseus. And, but it's a great moral, yeah, Um story because whilst you're celebrating I think most of the stories that we hear we're just looking at ancient Greek heroes that you were celebrating all their successes but here you really delve into their character and you see the good the bad and the ugly um so it for me it's been a source of talking about morality and and cause and effect and choices um yeah so it it's it's, it's been good slow but good <laughs> Wow, well, I'm well impressed. No, definitely. I think I think the height of our um, Roman, my um, Roman reading is uh, uh, the Roman mysteries. Okay, yes, them. yes, my son's read those. Yeah, yeah, yes. So I think that's about as far as we get with mm-hmm. No, brilliant. The historical fictions are amazing. Um and if you if you are looking for modern version of the, the Greek classics, Who Let the Gods Out by Maz Evans, I believe, if you haven't read that, they're brilliant. So engaging, so funny, very modern. But again, like the Roman mysteries, they're, they're contextualized within that, you know, the Greek gods come to the modern world. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'll yeah. that out. I think your younger girls would love them. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's yeah. Um, Molly, wow. We could, we could talk books. <laughs> this could be another separate episode of just talking about interesting books um but what about poetry do you have favorites do you how do you do your poetry study do you um pick up a poet that you study over a period of time or do you just read different poems as and when they come how do you do that Yes, I've never been. I, that's a good Charlotte Mason sort of um, way of doing things, isn't it? So right, yeah. A study, and, and I've never, I haven't ever, well, no, I, I lie. I've, I've sort of done that a little bit, but not hugely. Mm. So, so mostly, I have to say, we, um, 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 we just we just get the, the books out um, mm-hmm. and we'll and we'll just we'll just read we'll just we'll just choose them and um and we'll just take some turns to read some, sometimes in the past we'll do poetry tea time with friends mm-hmm. um, sometimes we do a kind of themed poetry tea if we're kind of learning about something in particular or if it's kind of springtime or autumn time we'll do a seasonal one or mm-hmm. we did a we did a um a a great um um Com- not composer, um, a, a painter study mm. on Mary Cassatt, and we did a lovely mm-hmm. little friend. Oh, lovely! Found sort of kind of Mary Cassatt, so um, that was lovely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so we sort of so some of them are themed, but and some of them are are just we just you know we just read we just choose you know randomly. Um, I, I, to be honest, I'm, I'm not that educated with poetry, so um, so I, I'm not sure that we go that deep. <laughs> I'll say to you beforehand. Um, uh, I think one of our favourite family poems is "The Day I Got Stuck Down the Toilet." Love it. I'm going <laughs> to look for it now. <laughs> one minute I was something cosy, and the next I was horrid and probably wet or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes on. Oh gosh, it would capture children's imagination so much. I'm sure my son would would like it. He loves the silly things. And it's good to interject these silly poems every now and again. But I mean, and that's, I think that's one of the beauties of home education that we learn alongside our children. So whether you're an expert or not is is irrelevant. I think it's just having a go, right? And, and, and you never know what the children capture. So we, um, 
we do a mix. There are times where we'll pick a poet if I see that my son is drawn to the style. But often the, the only criteria we tend to have is um, we read a classic, we'll read a nature poem, and we'll also make sure we look at a, a, a culturally diverse poet as well so that, that we have that fusion. But otherwise, we're not particularly too thematic in, in the poems that we read. Fantastic. So in all of this, it's, it's quite a feast you lay out for, for the children. And um, and I know that we've mentioned how you um, are intentional about taking time out for yourself. Um, but I wondered which aspect of the feast that you lay out for the for the your children has been the re- most enriching aspect of home education for you. Which aspect do you enjoy the most yourself? Oh wow! Um, oh, let me think. I think I think in some ways it's learning. I, well, I think reading, as mm-hmm. in the stories we read together. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's probably. Probably it because I just I we just learn so much from reading, don't mm. we? Um, yeah. And so I think probably there have been other, there are many many other things as well, but I think actually just the opportunity to reread some of the books that I had as a child mm-hmm. would actually read a whole. They are they're ever so perceptive, aren't they? And I do sometimes wonder actually if we read louds more for me than for them. But, <laughs> <you know. laughs> Well, why not? We've got to, and you've got such a wide breadth of experience, both in terms of just home educating, um, you know, children over 19 years, um, and also within the context of, you know, bringing in adopted children and, you know, within the home educating within the countryside, being a Christian home editor, just so much that you bring to those of us who are just entering the scene and I I get that not only from your post but I get that from the conversations we have every so often listening to your podcast mended them tea teapots and cups sorry um I wonder for the benefit of my listeners what final words of advice or encouragement you might give to those who may have kids with additional needs or adopted children or perhaps people who um, are having a wobbly time at this point in their home education. What what words, final words of encouragement would you like to share with them? Oh, thank you for letting me speak into that because I, I think that's probably one of my biggest hearts actually, just to to be able to encourage mums for when when things are, and I know I'm speaking to mums, not dads, I don't mm. feel I really have the... <laughs> Speaking or the experience of speaking to dad's life, so this is for mums. Um, so um, that um, that actually you are doing an amazing, amazing thing, and 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 seasons of life will be difficult. Sometimes it will just be just simply to get through the day um, mm-hmm. and to make sure that everybody has at least one cooked meal a day, even if it's just baked potatoes and bean and a tin of beans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are days like that. <laughs> yeah, and everyone has baggy clean underwear. <laughs> um, even the chair, <laughs> not at the same mm-hmm. time, obviously, but you know, yeah, sis- sisters knickers. And um, but actually, that that you that you are doing such an amazingly important, a profoundly important mm-hmm. job. And and the day there may be days which will seem very difficult, and there may be seasons which will seem very difficult. But even within those difficult, dark times what you are modeling to them you're modeling being a mum you're mm. modeling being um being with them in even though it's difficult you're modeling you know when things go wrong being able to say sorry yes you know then we'll, we'll forgive you're mm. modeling that whole kind of redeeming redemption process um family is just so important and so much of culture now in so many ways is actually making it even more difficult to be mm. family there's so much pressure on, mm. on the family at the moment um increasingly and so what you're doing is profoundly important and you are instilling those values in your children every day mm. um you're going to which are going to stand them in good stead um, later on in life and for those of you who are Christians you know you're 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 giving them fun uh, foundations in their Christian faith and you know, being able to teach them mm. um, again those those Christian values which are going to be important so 
So, so go, go easy on yourselves. Really be encouraged because it's it's great to have ideals and inspiration. And I just love. I'm an avid podcast listener. I love listening to podcasts mm-hmm. and, and just hearing from other women and being um, being um, inspired. And you have these, you know, these ideals you want to be. And then you can look at your everyday life and think, oh gosh, there's nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, you have to be able to hold. I think we have to be able to hold that tension mm-hmm. of what we really want to aspire to and then mm-hmm. knowing that it's not always like that but there will be times actually when it is like that mm-hmm. and it, it, it is really it is really good to, yes this is what this is what we're aiming for and so and you know that keeps you going so just be just be encouraged and um and know you're doing a, a profoundly important thing and um and go easy on yourselves beautifully said thank you so much molly it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on here and i look forward to having you on again for future seasons thank you again oh thank you so much it's been just it's just been lovely lovely talking to you thank you for listening We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If so, we'd appreciate if you could take the time to subscribe, share or write a review. This would also help others who need to find the show. Find us quickly. Also, if you would like to find out more about Homegrown Sunshine, please check out the links in the show notes. Until next time.